Welcome to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. Find out what you need to know about preparedness, get all the latest tips from experts in the field, and learn what to do before the next disaster strikes. From the emergency management department in the city that never sleeps, here are your hosts, Omar Bourne and Allison Panisi. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening. I'm Omar Bourne. And I'm Bushra Malik. And you are our listeners, and we thank you, as always, for joining us, and we thank Bushra for joining us once more. I'm always happy to be back. And we want you to come back as often as you can, so feel free to add Prep Talk to your favorite RSS feed. You can also follow us on social media on our Twitter, at NYCEmergencyMGT, Facebook, or Instagram sites. On this episode of Prep Talk, we're talking about mentorship Now, a few years ago, New York City Emergency Management introduced the mentorship program to highlight foundational skills in the agency and to provide a roadmap of opportunities for newer employees, but also for employees in general. Absolutely. And that's right, Omar. Today, we have two special guests to talk about the benefits of workplace mentorship programs. But before we dive in, it's time to give our listeners the latest hot topics in the emergency management field. Here's your Prep Talk Situation Report. This is the Situation Report. Let's get started. Bushra and our listeners, our first story comes from GovTech. Could climate change lead to stronger hurricanes? Some scientists think so. Scientists from the National Hurricane Conference in New Orleans suggest that climate change will lead to fewer but stronger storms by the year 2100. Research also shows that future hurricanes will come with even more rainfall because warmer air can hold more water, thus creating even more damage per hurricane. Now, regardless of whether or not your city may face few storms in the future, here is a friendly reminder that the Atlantic hurricane season is just around the corner. It begins June 1st and runs through the end of November. So make sure you have an emergency plan. If you're in New York, you can visit nyc.gov slash knowyourzone to see whether or not you live in one of the six hurricane evacuation zones. And for more information about hurricane preparedness, you can call 311 or visit nyc.gov slash knowyourzone. That's right, Omar. According to a new report released by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, measles cases in the United States have reached a new high at 704. More than half of those infected by the highly contagious disease were not vaccinated. Measles can be fatal for babies or young children. Public officials are urging the public to get vaccinated. Complications from the disease include pneumonia, swelling of the brain, and premature birth. The current number of measles cases is the highest recorded after the disease was declared eliminated in the country in the year 2000. Thank you very much, Bushra. In other health news, health officials have rolled out the first approved vaccine for malaria. Now, the RTSS vaccine is designed to help young children in Africa. Malaria is one of the top fatal diseases for children worldwide, but children in Africa are most commonly affected. A child or infant dies of malaria every two minutes in Africa, and some children can have up to six bouts of the disease in one year. Children in Malawi have already begun to receive the vaccine, 
Children in Ghana and Kenya will receive the vaccine later this year. And that is it for the Situation Report. Up next, we have two special guests from New York City Emergency Management. But first, here is a public service announcement from New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Open calendar. What's my schedule looking like? Next Thursday, you will be caught in an emergency flash flood between Park and First Street. What? No, no, that, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm busy then. Decline. De- decline. Disasters don't plan ahead, but you can. It starts with talking to your loved ones about making an emergency plan. So don't wait. Communicate. Get started today at nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. You're listening to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. That's right. You are listening to Prep Talk and we are back. As we mentioned earlier, we are discussing mentorship. Joining us are Jennifer Persall, Interagency Training Coordinator here at New York City Emergency Management, and Robert Cohen. He is the Deputy Director of the Emergency Operations Center Unit. Also from New York City Emergency Management, we thank you both for joining the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Great to be here. So, Jennifer, let's begin with you. What does your role as interagency training coordinator entail? A little bit of a lot of different things. So I help coordinate uh, emergency management programs as well as professional development trainings. I work with subject matter experts to build or improve trainings that are already out there. And then I support the Urban Assembly School for Emergency Management with curriculum and activities, including running our high school internship program. And of course, running the mentor program. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Rob? Can you share a little about your role as Deputy Director of the Emergency Operations Center Unit? Certainly. So a lot of my work follows uh, capacity building processes that we try to implement here at New York City Emergency Management in the Emergency Operations Center, or EOC, unit. This involves supporting our staff and staff from partner agencies and private and nonprofit organizations around the city who might come in to work in the EOC when there is an emergency. We want to make sure that they understand their responsibilities and feel confident uh, performing them and have the tools and the resources that they need in order to do that. And we also oversee and coordinate the city's after-action reporting processes. So we look at what went well and what we want to improve next time there's uh, a crisis and we have to bring our partners into the EOC to help coordinate the response to it. And for our listeners, picture a huge room that can hold over 100 people. 136. 136 people in the EOC, as we love to call it. And during a major emergency, we're all hands on deck. We have partners from different city agencies, nonprofits, private partners, they're all there sharing the information and we're coordinating that so that we know what's going on in every sector so that we can readily and speedily uh, respond to an emergency. So that's, that's what the EOC looks like, very high energy and high pace place, especially during emergencies. I was going to say our EOC has been featured in a few shows also because it just it really perfectly sort of embodies everyone working together towards one singular goal. Jen, you mentioned uh, professional development. You also also mentioned uh, the 
emergency management school that we have here in New York City. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the mentorship program, which began a few years ago. What led the agency to begin this program? What made it a priority? Yeah. So as people kind of move up or retire, the institutional knowledge is not always necessarily being passed on. So we really want to create a program that would help allow that knowledge to be passed on from unit to unit, from person to person, Mm -hmm. not just your day-to-day role, but especially your activation or your EOC role. And we wanted it to be a more personalized way of learning than just a training would be. So that's kind of where this came up from. And we wanted to give staff an opportunity to have a a sounding board as well. Mm -hmm. Someone that they can go to who can call them out or help them up, those type of things. And then it really became a priority, not in the initial year, but after the initial year, Mm -hmm. once people saw the value of it and saw how much it worked. Right. And it's it's accountability at work, really, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm actually really excited because for those of you who don't know, I've already met with Jen to be a mentor this year. So this next uh, question actually happens to uh, be for you, Jen. So how do you go about choosing mentors and mentees and what is that process like? Yeah, so it's those are really the first two steps of this four-step process in a nine-month program. So I I ask, send out an email or the training unit sends out an email requesting people to be mentors and mentees. So it's a completely voluntary program. No one is forced to join, which is the nice part. Uh, people want to be a part of it. People want to be engaged and help out. And then I meet with each mentee individually and each mentor individually. With mentees, I focus on what are your goals? Where do you want to be? Where do you see yourself within the agency? Mm-hmm. For mentors, where have you been? Uh, where are you now? What skills do you feel good with? And then for both, what is your meeting style? What is your learning style? So I can find people that would match in that way as well. Because sometimes you have people who want a full-on agenda And then you have other people who just want to walk and talk and have that sounding board moment. Wonderful. I have another question for you, but I don't want Rob to feel left out. So, Rob, I know you have been a mentor. What has that experience been like for you? Certainly. So I've I've had a great time um, in the mentor program and I've served, I've had the opportunity to serve as a mentor for a couple uh, of my colleagues. And I think a lot of the points that that Jen is making really resonate with me is like, yeah, these are people who are talking about their goals and their aspirations as a professional in in this field or in their careers uh, more broadly in general. And it's it's very exciting to get to be a sounding board and to have to think internally about some of the answers that I would give if someone had a question about um, a career development opportunity that was before them or a project that they were trying to get started with a group of people that they haven't worked with before. And I find it um, very enjoyable as a mentor to provide answers to those and at times also challenging, still enjoyable, but challenging to try and figure out what the best pieces of advice to provide are that uh, will enable this person to grow and kind of think through these uh, questions that that they're faced with answering themselves. And it often makes me Although uh, in a mentor capacity, feel a little bit uncertain sometimes about like, ooh, what's what's the best way to explain this? What would I do in that situation? Uh, which is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun right. for me, and and a, a lot of times I try uh, and and empower, I guess is the right word, empower other people to figure out what the best course of action is uh, going forward. I, I don't see it as like a supervisory responsibility. You don't tell people what to do. You kind of talk through these challenges with them and let them learn and develop and figure out their own steps to move forward on them. 
Do you ever get nervous that, you know, the advice that you're given may or may not be the right advice to someone else? How, how do you work through that process? This is for both of you. How do you work through that process in your mind as a mentor that whatever you are going to tell this person, they, they may take that into consideration? Sure. So I guess, you know, I, sometimes the advice was, let's go here for coffee. And then they got the person's order wrong. And I was like, well, this is not the best advice of where we should go for this particular session. But anyway, the point is, I think when, when I'm offering uh, advice to people, I do sometimes feel like, hmm, you know, I went home and I thought more about this and I don't know if that's the right step. I feel like we should involve this person as well. Uh, and, you know, I, sometimes I second guess. And if it's really an issue, I'm like, man, I, I don't know that I quite gave this person a full answer. Right. Like I'll, I'll reach out and say, hey, I want to talk for another couple of minutes. I had another idea mm. uh, on this particular topic. Um, and I think other times, you know, I, I'd explain it as advice and would also ask the other person, like, what do you think? What are some things that you're thinking about in this process uh, as well? That is to say, I want to make sure that I'm supporting someone else's ownership of what they want to do as opposed to imposing what I think they should be doing uh, instead. So I see my role as uh, advice and, and counsel, but not as you should really follow this. Uh, but that said, I also, I wouldn't shy away from it. If I give advice and I'm like, eh, I don't know if that was the right thing to say or not, I'll go back to the person and say, hey, let's let's chat again. And that's key. And that's what being a good leader is, is that you can go back and say, you know what? Uh, maybe we need to revisit my answer or my suggestion there may be another course of action here. Sure, like sure, that. sure. Now, Jen, you also mentioned that uh, the mentorship program is a nine-month program broken down into four steps. So can you explain those steps for our listeners? Yeah, so the first step is that employees sign up. You know, it's, again, completely voluntary. The second step is that I meet with each person, which we went over a little bit. The third step, though, is that I match them. So when I'm matching them, I'm looking at their goals, their desires, where they want to be, but I'm also ensuring I match them with somebody outside of their entire division. So there's no weird lines if they want to get feedback on how they could have handled a situation, if they want to talk about, you know, how do I ask for a raise from my boss? Or if maybe, you know, they're interested in another unit, it's nice to have somebody with an objective uh, opinion that's outside of your division, outside of your reporting line. And then lastly, we host an orientation where we set expectations, provide resources, and give a timeline of events. So it's a nine-month program. So we do an orientation. In the middle, we have some sort of activity. At the end, there's a potluck, just debrief. And then partway through, usually around month two and seven, I meet with all the mentees together Mm -hmm. and then all the mentors together so that they can talk through how's it going from one mentee to another. And then for mentors, like, what resources have you been providing that I could provide? Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to that potluck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, well, of course I mean, you are. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that comment. Um, no, no, no. I mean, obviously, food aside, I think also with what Robert just said with him being a mentor, I feel like it's 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 a it's a time for personal growth for everybody involved, mm-hmm. and I think that's what I'm really excited for. Yeah, and we have uh, not just the new people. Like it was really originally meant as a program for like newer people coming in. Mm -hmm. But now I'm finding as we're going into whatever year this is now, I think our fifth or sixth year Mm -hmm. is we're having people who have been here a while and now they're going into their first leadership role here and they want now a mentor to help them navigate that aspect or navigate, okay, well, I'm now a boss over people that were my colleagues. How does this work? Mm. That's awesome. And what I like about this discussion 
and conversation is what we use often bushra the only science term that i know and that yeah. you probably know as well yeah. symbiosis right yeah i love when we can just use this word yeah. <laughs> but that's what this is you know the the mentor learns but the mentees learning as well and you know they learn from each other it's a symbiotic relationship and everybody grows everybody wins yeah there's no there's no really lose lose situation here everyone is taking something away from it yeah. so you know i know we talked to robert about him being a mentor but as somebody who's a huge part of this program you know what was it like for you when you were a mentee what did you learn and if you could share your experience with us yeah it was pretty fantastic um our deputy director of training actually is the one who created this program so i remember sitting in the seat having her ask me the same questions that now I ask other people, which is pretty neat. And she really listened and paired me very well. I was looking for a sounding board who could also call me out and was very direct. I didn't want anyone who'd beat around the bush. Um, I wanted somebody who had operations experience in New York City. I'm from Oklahoma, but I've also deployed to Louisiana and a few other places and have done some stuff up here, but wanted more of a New York City mindset or viewpoint of this stuff. And then I was also debating about going back to school. So I was hoping to have someone not just in operations, but also has done school. Actually, because of some of our conversations, I am now in my first semester of grad school because of that. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Congrats. So Rob, I know that you were a mentor before, but now you're sort of you know, switching the role and you're going to be a mentee. So what made you want to be a mentee after being a mentor? So, you know, it's a very interesting question. And um, I kind of talked a little bit with Jen about this when she was involved in in matching people in this process as well. What is it that I want out of this experience uh, to be different from what it's been um, previously? And and for me, there's a couple of skills that I went in uh, to my conversation with with Jen to talk about my interest in improving and, and what I wanted to get out of this uh, was a couple of tangible improvements in my own personal skills. So I'm interested in developing um, a skill set to lead teams of people in uh, solving problems during an emergency or helping to create uh, processes, training processes, learning processes, after action reporting processes. And although I've had the opportunity to do a bunch of those uh, myself and and I've loved it, uh, I haven't had as much opportunity in coaching other people to do these processes as well. So I wanted to learn a little more uh, about coaching people on these more uh, complex or, or longer term projects that involve teammates from lots of different places around the agency. So I'm very interested in whoever my mentor will be. I don't know. I'm excited to find out uh, in, in having that person help me from their experience and their perspective, figure out what my uh, areas for improvement are in, in that field uh, and how I can best uh, accomplish those. So last year, there was a leadership panel. This was for the last cycle. Both Jen and Rob, you, were, you guys were there. What were your takeaways from this leadership panel and, and how it kind of worked uh, for the program? Jen, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, it was actually really cool. We had one person uh, from private, one person from a public organization, one person from another agency. And then Paula from our own agency, who's been both a mentor and mentee several years, she was on the panel. And, you know, I just kind of asked them a bunch of different questions and it was really great. And I think what I took away from the majority of it is that people really want to hear other people's perspectives, Mm. uh, both in the agency, out of the agency. They want to know the next step as well as 10 steps from now. Right. I like that. Rob, how about you? Yeah, you know, for me as as an attendee, I thought the the panel was 
exceptionally well put together and had people from different fields of expertise that came in uh, as well. And that was, to me, it was really valuable to listen to people who have served in mentor roles in uh, some field that's totally different from my own and is not really something I'm familiar with. And one piece of advice in particular that really stuck uh, with me was that big projects will have big changes. Uh, and I don't remember who it was that that said that, which is a little disappointing uh, to me, but I was like, hmm, I was like, this is very interesting. Uh, and I think the the point that, that this person had explained was uh, really successful projects generally have a lot of buy-in and uh, buy-in comes in many different forms and trying to tweak a project to get it to a point where you can corral a team together and get them, you know, get them to buy in, get them to say, yeah, this sounds really big, but this is something that I'm on board with and it's something I'm going to help with will require a little bit of changes to your uh, ideas and your proposals. And that's that's something that I uh, took to heart. And I really was like, hmm, like, okay, if this is a big project and I want it to succeed, there's going to be some changes to it. And I I get that and I value that. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is a good mentality for me to have uh, going into some big new project. And that, that stuck with me from that panel. I was like, wow, that's, that's good. I feel like that's a great piece of advice because I remember it, it sort of sounds similar to something that I'd heard before. And I think this is a pretty common saying. You have to make yourself uncomfortable once in a while in order to personally grow. Right. Because I think most often people sort of have this one way of doing things. And sometimes you realize, especially when you're working in a unit with different kinds of people and different kinds of personalities, if you want something to work, you have to think outside of the box. Can both of you actually share some of the benefits of mentorship overall? Sure. I, I absolutely. I'll I'll start with that, and then uh, Jen. I'm also really curious to hear what you have to say too. Uh, but for for me, I think there were two things. One personally is learning to trust someone that I hadn't known particularly well uh, previously, and it's learning to trust in the sense that they're comfortable sharing about uh, a challenging experience that they might be having, and they want your advice. Or the other way around, uh, me trusting this other person to say, "Oh, you know what." I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to offer advice if I'm in a mentor position uh, and this person trusts me and, and I trust them to make sure that whatever we're talking about isn't going to become uh, an issue or become more public than that person wants it uh, to become or vice versa. If I'm in a mentee role, I want to learn to trust my my mentor. So that's something that I'm really excited about uh, for being a mentee here is learning to trust someone who is new and knows an awful lot more about what, what they're doing than I know about what they're doing. So I'd be very curious to learn um, from that person. And it's also, secondly, uh, as an opportunity to meet and work with someone that you don't normally work with. And I think like Jen had um, mentioned a little while ago, these uh, people in mentor-mentee relationships are not paired within the same division. That is to say, it's not people that usually work together all the time. So it's an opportunity for me to interface with and learn from someone that I don't usually get to work with uh, on, on a normal basis. So I'm excited for, for both of those. And I think uh, they're both really strong benefits of this mentorship program. Wow, that's awesome. Jen, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah. I mean, the overall professional development is a big thing. And we talked about passing on institutional knowledge, but then there's also the team building. And I like to think especially in the EOC when we're activated, because you may not necessarily know the people you're working side by side with, even though we're a relatively small agency. If they're not a unit that you work with on a regular basis, you just may not be as close with them. Where through this program, you might be paired with somebody that's on your EOC team or in the same role, but on a different team. And they can really start guiding you in that regards and helping you build that EOC knowledge and confidence. I've talked to so many people who 
they get done with this program and they're like, wow, this actually helped me in the EOC. And that wasn't even one of my goals, <laughs> which is kind of cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What advice would you give to an organization that's interested in starting a mentorship program or anyone who's looking to be a mentor or someone who is looking for a mentor? So they're a mentee. So I've got something for each. So for organizations, go for it. And encourage your leadership to be mentors. People are looking not just for the next step, but those in the next step are looking for the long-term game. Um, and allow anyone to sign up, not some special requirements, but anyone who wants to be a mentee should be able to be a mentee. As for mentors, you are going to be a better mentor before you feel you are one. Mm. A lot of people think that they are not ready to be a mentor. They don't sign up for it. And then I give them a nudge like you two and say, Hey, have you thought about being a mentor? <laughs> and magically they say yes. Um, so you're going to be one before you feel like you're one. And as for mentees, if you don't have a formal program, ask someone to be your mentor. What's the worst that's thing that's going to realistically happen? If they say no, then you ended up exactly where you started. But 10 to 1, they're going to say yes. And I think mine, Jen, are, um, are similar. The advice that I would have offered to an organization is exactly the same as yours, except as usual, yours was more succinct and more accurate than mine, but go for <laughs> it. That's generally good advice. Um, and I think for me, generally speaking, as a uh, mentor or mentee, there are two things that I'd encourage someone to uh, go in with, two pieces of advice. I would say to go in with um, a skill that you want to improve. And whether you're a mentee, that could be working with your mentor, in my case, uh, as it will be, to get better at developing a team of people to go through after-action report and EOC capacity building processes. Uh, and if you're a mentor, the skill could be I want to get better at providing honest and meaningful feedback in a way that's non-threatening. Uh, and those are skills that anybody can enter a, a mentor-mentorship relationship with. And then the second, I think, is a little more uh, or a little less concrete, a little more general, which would be like a challenge that you want to talk about, a, a tough project or a question about career growth in general. And it's not like a real concrete skill and you're not really sure what the issue is perhaps, but it's something you want to talk with the other person about and kind of suss out what the problem uh, or, or solution could be uh, together. So I would say to go in with, with those things, like a skill that you want to improve and an idea that you want to talk to someone about. Jen, I really liked your line. You're going to be a mentor before you feel like you're one, right? Because you don't realize that you can influence someone without even realizing that you, you've done so. And so that's really good advice. If you have any self-doubt, don't think you can't do anything. Just do it. Just yeah. make it happen. I think it's also important to remember that sometimes you might even find mentors not in your workplace, right? Because I have some from, from college, former professors who've mm -hmm. really helped shape my career and they've given me advice and, you know, a lot of things that they've taught me, I hope moving forward, I can teach other people. So I think, I think this whole program in itself is just, it's really integral for, for growth, I feel, in a lot of different places. Yeah, definitely. Any last, any last words before we wrap up this segment? Join your mentor program if you have one. <laughs> yeah, what she said. Yeah, and if you don't have one, think about, think about really implementing this either in your organization or if you, a local agency here in New York City, if you're another emergency management agency across the nation, wherever you are, make sure that you implement a mentorship program because what you've heard here today 
is tangible evidence that this works and it benefits everyone. So make sure that you sign up. Jen, where can people find more information uh, about our mentorship program here at New York? So we have one article on domestic preparedness, but you can also email our uh, training academy at nycemacademy at oem.nyc.gov. Wonderful. If you don't know, now you know. You're listening to Prep Talk, the emergency management podcast. It is rapid response time. And if you're a first time listener, it's simple. Omar and I will ask our guests a few questions and they will give the first answer that comes to mind. Let us get into it. It's time for Prep Talk Rapid Response. It's rapid response time. Rob, this first question is for you. What is one emergency item you cannot live without? A snack. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like me. A snack. Again, yes, yes, Bostra. It's in my go bag. It's in my desk. What type of snacks are we talking about? Um, I like uh, granola bars or I like fresh fruit that doesn't go bad quickly, like an orange, for example. We've taught you well here at Emergency. Yeah. That was a great answer. Something healthy and something filling, right? Good answer. Jen, how about you? What emergency item you cannot live without? A power strip, because then I always have some place to charge my phone. If you bring the power strip, you get to charge your phone. <laughs> That's true. I like it. All right, Jen, let's start with you for this one. What is the best advice you've ever received? Always think what's the worst thing that could realistically happen, whether it's to take a leap on something or to ask somebody a question. Like, realistically, no one's going to be pointing their fingers at you and just starting to laugh. So go for it. See, I like that because I tell people all the time, yeah. I'm going to ask a question. I'm either going to get a yes or a no. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And there's no Just such ask. thing as stupid questions, right? So, you know, my JROTC instructor told me that in ninth grade when none of the guys were asking people to dance and because they were too scared. Right. And so he, uh, <laughs> he told them, he's like, you just have to go for it. You just have to ask what's the worst thing that's going to happen. The girls aren't going to literally go, oh, my God, ha, 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 at them. So after that, I took that piece of advice and everything I've done since then. Oh, wow. There you go. Rob, how about you? And I, Mine was uh, that you can learn something from everyone. And I think that probably came from my grandmother. Uh, learn something from everyone. And to me, I think it means, uh, you know, you, you, can, you can find something really cool in basically every person you meet. And they have some life experience or some skill or some story to share that you can learn from. And to me, that's... Uh, that, that sat with me. I was like, oh, I can find a way to learn something from this person. Yeah, we, we all have something to share. I like it. Now, what's your favorite saying or proverb? Jen, we'll start with you. Uh, an old Japanese proverb, nana karobia oki, means if you fall down seven times, get up eight. It's something that was said in my dojo growing up since I was seven. You've gotten a lot of a wealth of knowledge from people growing up. I Wait, like it. can you clarify for me what dojo means exactly? Because I don't know. A dojo is a place of studying for martial art. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Rob, Rob how about you? And uh, my favorite is measure twice, cut once. <laughs> I like that one. So I've been saying lately, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. That's, that's the one that uh, my... Um, my mother and my grandmother uh, used to say a lot. They're from Barbados. That's a very popular saying in Barbados. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. 
I guess I could think of one, but it's not, I mean, it's something that my mom would always tell me. And it basically means never think too highly of yourself because even the folks who are in the highest of positions can fall. Mm. So it's just really, it just basically means that, you know, always be conscientious of where you came from, be humble. And if you are interested in hearing what that sounds like, it's Nijikeki Chumona Koirona. And my mother used to say that to me all the time. So this question is for both of you. Uh, Jen, we can start with you. What is currently on your playlist? So I mainly listen to podcasts. In addition to this one, of course, uh, and of some course. other we, EM ones. We wouldn't have it any other way, Jen. <laughs> In addition, I also listen to the Chris Hogan Show, The Daily, The Minimalist, and the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. Awesome. All right. And mine, there, there's two, and I was mentioning to Omar uh, before one is... Uh, maybe slightly embarrassing or on there exclusively to drive my wife insane. And the other is one that we actually <laughs> both like. Uh, there's a group called Beta Radio, which we love. They're like a folk rock uh, and kind of soft rock group. And then the other is uh, one of my favorite opera singers, Beverly Sills, performing various arias by uh, Vincenzo Bellini, which I love to listen to. And uh, I think it's great. Your your wife is not a fan of it? Not not as much. Not as much. It's It's often loud and kind of really in the morning uh but i i think it's a lot of fun to listen to that sounds like a great way to start your day i like it a lot what is your favorite meal either of you can go first whoever can think of your dessert dessert it's the whole thing but what kind what kind of dessert all of them give me the juice jen every single one of them okay okay (laughs) i wrote dinner uh i mean do you have a specific kind of dinner there i mean we, so i love thai food okay. um are you a pad thai kind of person or I'm like a pad a person pad C-E-U, yes which is that like tamarind the sauce. And brown sauce it's really good how about yeah. you Omar, for, for, for our listeners, Bushra, as you can tell, is a foodie. So You know what we should do sometime? We should do a MRE taste test for a podcast. But that's thinking ahead. <laughs> for what's your favorite meal? What's your favorite MRE? Well, you got, now you have to explain to our listeners what an MRE is. Why don't you go first? <laughs> <laughs> Meals ready to eat. And oh, basically yeah. it's a, a microwavable meal that you can pop in in an emergency to to get something to eat uh and then the last question sum up the work that you do in one word rob build Mm. okay like that engaging engaging both wonderful answers thank you both for being here today thanks for having thank you this was great thank you That's this episode of Prep Talk. If you like what you heard, you can listen anytime online or through your favorite RSS feed. Until next time, stay safe and prepared.